Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine Podcast Radio. You're about to listen to an episode of Your Everyday Cyber Podcast with Limor Kessum and Diana Kelly. We live in a cyberspace almost all the time, but do we know enough about living in it securely? Join this dynamic duo as they take you through an exploration of daily cyber activities and how you can make better choices to make them secure for yourself and your family. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Welcome to Your Everyday Cyber. I'm Lamor Kessem, a cybersecurity professional and advisor. My co-host is Diana Kelly, a cybersecurity expert who is the CTO and co-founder of Security Curve. Now, October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month, and today what we're going to talk about is stalkerware. Just that word can really make you cringe. And when we talk about stalkerware, we refer to tools like applications, software programs, and even devices that let another person secretly monitor and record information about you and your activity on or off your smartphone or your other devices. That's pretty intrusive, right? It can be abused by someone who does not have your best interest in mind. Abusers, stalkers, and perpetrators may try to install this type of malicious tool to tap phones. Diana, what do you know about stalkerware? Yeah, I know that it's really, it's, it's quite awful to think about a victim who is already you know, scared and frightened and they, their personal safety has been put at risk to then have them also be worried about that their communications are at risk or even, you know, what they're looking at, what they're saying to their friends and loved ones when you're being stalked. It's a, it feels extreme. It can feel extremely lonely. So to know that your communication, your outreach device, may also have been um, infiltrated, and, and is really, it's it's really just actually, it's quite heartbreaking to think about. And you know, with these perpetrators installing stalking tools on devices, uh, the people that are in abusive relationships and you know other dangerous situations, it really puts them at risk because this can be loss of life. You know, people do in, in these situations can can you know suffer uh, great harm. So it's really it's heartbreaking that this is happening, but it is it's real. It can be dangerous, and I'm just so glad that we're bringing this topic to light today. Indeed. And, you know, it has been a long standing threat to human beings all everywhere. And, but now technology has come into it. And as much as it is a risk to adults, it's also a risk for the so many younger people using technology nowadays. I mean, a lot of people give their children uh, smartphones. Mm-hmm. Um, making yeah. things worse, this type of threat has been proliferating. I just read that the FTC has banned yet another spyware app from app stores. It's a secret surveillance tool. This one was called Spy Phone, and it used the phone hack to track people. So in this case, the FTC ordered the company to delete all the data it obtained illegally, because that's right, it's not legal to do that, mm-hmm. from tracking people's movements and activity. So to help us unpack this truly important subject, we have with us Martin Grotenen as our guest. Aside from running threat intelligence at Silent Push, he is a seasoned security technologist who is an active coordinator at the Coalition Against Stalkerware. Martin, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. 
Thank you. Uh, Martin, the first thing on my mind here is where do these malicious apps come from? They don't sound legal to me, but seems to be available in legal app stores that we all use. So where do they come from? So stalkerware apps typically are not found on the regular app stores. Um, that's because they go against the terms and conditions of both Google and Apple. So usually people making the stalkerware don't even bother trying to put them on the app stores. Uh, instead, they make them available through other means, usually just through a website. As for their legality, that's actually complicated. Um, the companies making stalkerware, they tend to have lawyers. And so they manage to phrase things in such a way that it looks like the app, apps have legitimate purposes, such as parental control, for example. Um, and therefore, I often say that selling stalkware probably isn't illegal in many jurisdictions. Um, however, as you mentioned earlier, recently the Federal Trade Commission in the United States managed to act against one particular stalkware vendor. So there are still ways for them to act. It's, it's kind of a cat and mouse game. Now, using stalkware uh, on someone else's device without their permission is most likely against the law in most jurisdictions. And typically, there doesn't need to be special legislation for that. Existing privacy and anti-harassment legislation suffices to make this illegal. Oh, interesting. So there is an element of, of if there hasn't been consent, then that's where the, so the software itself may not be illegal, but that lack of consent is where the, the issue comes in. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and how, if someone's worried about, do they have stalkerware? How do they, you know, is, is it on their phone? How, how do they, we know that the, the attackers can get it by going to the website, as you've mentioned, but how would they then get that software onto their target victim's phones? Is it, is, do you need physical access or could somebody get stalkerware on your phone without even touching it? So the short answer is that uh, an abuser needs to have physical access to the unlocked device to install stalkerware. And they need to have this access for at least a minute if they are well-prepared. If they're not well-prepared uh, as, an, as an abuser um, and they just follow the instructions more carefully, they need about 10 minutes to install it. 10 minutes of access to an unlocked device is enough. Um, now there's a slightly longer answer of whether it can be installed remotely and it has two parts. Uh, the first is that there ex exists some very advanced spyware, uh, the best known of which is called Pegasus, uh, which can be used to infect the uh, smartphone remotely. Um, it's mostly used by governments to spy on people they don't like, including human rights activists, journalists. Um, it has also allegedly been used by the very rich uh, vice president of the United Arab Emirates uh, to spy on his ex-wife. Now, I think things like Pegasus are a huge issue for many reasons, but as an average uh, smartphone user, even if you have an, an abusive partner or ex-partner, it's not something, this particular thing you don't have to worry about. Um, something like Pegasus is very expensive. Think hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, and even then, uh, it's just not just sold to anyone coming up with the money, but really only to, to government. Uh, and I mention this because I sometimes speak to people who are worried, uh, have reason to be worried about their ex-partner, for example, uh, and they wonder if something like this that they have read about uh, uh, could have happened to them. And the, the answer is no, this can't have happened to them. Um, the second part of the answer about remote install is that um, it's not uncommon for an abusive 
partner or ex-partner to have access to someone's, say, iCloud account or Facebook account or Google account um, because they know the password. And that's not stalkerware, uh, but it still gives them a lot of access. The people may perceive it as stalkerware and um, they obviously don't need to have the phone. They just need to have the, the account credentials. That is true. Um, so if I had this something like that on my phone, on my device, is it disguised as something else? Um, do I see some sort of an uh, application icon that looks weird? or and, and would my privacy settings maybe matter in this case and be able to, let's say if I don't activate location services or things like that, can I have any control or does this like underlie everything that I do? So um, regarding the privacy settings, because stalkerware requires physical access, um, privacy settings don't really matter that much because mm -hmm. the user will just turn them off with the security settings. They, they, they disable them. Uh, so that's not uh, very relevant. Uh, if you're, if you worry, if you wonder if you have stalkerware on your device, um, on iPhone, stalkerware is actually quite rare and requires what is called a jailbreak. Now, you don't need to understand what a jailbreak is. What matters is that the jailbreak can only be applied if the latest version of the operating system has not been installed. So always install uh, iOS updates as soon as they become available. Um, and in fact, updating the operating system will remove any jailbreaks that may be present and also uh, disable any stalkerware that may have been installed. So that's a very simple trick that improves your security. And uh, if you are worried about stalkerware, it will remove it. Um, now on Android, stalkerware is, is a bit more common. It's still rare, but it's more common. Um, there's no general way to detect stalkerware, but most good antivirus software um, will detect it. So it's worth running uh, one of these. If you're a bit more experienced, you may want to look for which apps are installed. But keep in mind that it will probably be disguised as something else. And also keep in mind that um, if for the first time you go through all the apps installed on your phone, you'll recognize a lot of things that you've never heard of. And most likely they just belong to the phone. They, they belong to Samsung or HTC or whoever is your phone manufacturer. And they... Uh, they're completely harmless. And so, yeah, don't be scared away by that. Okay. Yeah. Good, good, good point that, we, that sometimes our, our apps do ask for permissions that may seem uh, a little like someone once said to me, well, why is my flashlight app, uh, you know, need access to the microphone? Well, it was a voice activated flashlight app. So sometimes they, it, it seems unusual, but they actually did have a, a purpose. Now, sometimes when people hear or that they, they, they may be, or they, they think that they may be, uh, they have stalkerware on. So they, they know they have a stalker, they know that somebody is monitoring them, but they now feel that they might have stalkerware on their device. Their first instinct could be, I'm just going to get a new device. But then as they get the new device, they want all their old settings. So they may use something like Smart Switch, which is Samsung, or Quick Start on Apple to transfer over. Would that also transfer over the stalkerware? That, that's a very good question. Um, technically, 
using things like smart switch and quick start um, almost certainly are guaranteed to be safe, as in they won't copy stalkerware over. Mm. However, if you are worried about, uh, about stalkerware and you get a new device uh, or you factually reset your existing device, which is a very, which if it is safe for you to uh, remove stalkerware, and I'll come to that in a second, uh, it's, a, it's a very simple way to get rid of it. Um, but if you decide to um, to set up an, a new or a, a reset phone, um, I'd still recommend against using something like Smart Switch or Quick Start. Um, but manually set up the phone and every uh, account you install, Google, that's Facebook, that's iCloud, etc., um, change the password if there's even a tiny chance that the abuser has access to this. Um, and that's why I would recommend doing it all manually because uh, you may uh, copy uh, an account using something like Smart Switch, uh, which the abuser has access to. And then while it's not technically stalk aware, it's still an abuse problem. Now, I, I mentioned uh, that I would say something about is it safe to remove stalk aware? Um, if, if your if an abuser uh, has installed stalkerware on your device and they're monitoring you, uh, they will know if you remove it. And um, in some cases, uh, and that's something that that's an assessment that really only you as a survivor can make. In some cases, that could lead to uh, an increase of abuse. So always first decide: is it safe for me to remove uh, stalkerware? And the same, you know, is it safe to change my Facebook password that they have access to? Because from as for us as security professionals, it's, it's obvious that you need to do that. But if it seems obvious, if you're a survivor, um, you, uh, this may trigger something in the abuser, and the abuse may escalate. So always make an assessment like what could happen if they discover I locked them out of my Facebook account. Right, totally agree. They can feel like they're losing control, and they can become more violent or try to find other ways to do things. So thank you for, for that comment. Um, you know, an adjacent subject, actually. I read that since the pandemic started, a lot of employee spying began. It became a thing. And they like jumped 50%, according to some recent research. Is there a difference between monitoring applications used by employers to track productivity um, and maybe parents tracking their children to keep them safe? And then stalkerware, is this like technically different or are there, you know legitimate uses that are supposedly different? So personally, I'm very skeptical about the need for employers to monitor devices used by staff, um, uh, especially if it's personal devices, uh, right. because I believe in trust. But I also understand sometimes there's compliance needs to, um, to monitor things. Sometimes people have access to um, very sensitive information that you don't want leaked. Uh, and you may need to install something. Um, such apps, uh, there's no reason for such apps to hide their presence. They should always make it clear that this device is being monitored. Right. Um, likewise, I don't think parents should always monitor what their children do on their phones, um, especially if, if children get older. And, and the fact that two days ago it was International Coming Out Day uh, is, is a good example why some children don't uh, may not want to have their parents know what they're, they're doing on their phones, and that's fine. Uh, but if, especially for younger children, parents want to install uh, some monitoring apps, some parental control app, uh, that shouldn't be hidden from the children. The app should 
make it clear at any time your parent is, uh, this phone is being monitored, basically. Um, that's a that's the main difference between Stalkware and such legitimate apps. Like technically, if you look at like the code, it doesn't differ too much, but Stalkware hides its presence. Uh, it probably asks uh, for permission once during installation because the lawyers uh, make sure of that. Um, but then after that, there's... Uh, and, and sorry, and, and this permission, of course, is is then uh, given by the abuser, not by the phone owner. Uh, but after that, the stalkware hides its presence. Mm. And you know, that's a great point. That distinction between if you're if you're a child and your parents say, "I'm going to be able to see where you are to keep you safe," and the child says, "Great," and they can they see an icon that they know their parents can see where they are, then that's that's very comforting versus something that's hidden and you don't know who's who's watching you. So yeah, it's a really good good point that the same technology, it's really how it's used and whether the person knows and approves of it. Now, if someone is worried about that they may be at risk or their phone may be at risk, you, you gave us some great advice on the shared passwords, which I really loved because it's true that people will share passwords for Netflix accounts. And remember that if you're, if you're going through a break up or you're, you're under you're under um, surveillance or attack make sure that you've locked those people out by changing that pa those passwords on any accounts that you shared that's such a great tip um, what other tips can people do both online and in real life things like physically protecting their phone because you talked about the physical access what else could they they do to help make sure that they're protected from stalkerware so first, I want to note that abusive relationships are very complicated. And a lot of the advice that, that may seem obvious, this doesn't work. Even if the relationship is already somewhat over, um, it may still be complicated. People may still be living together because of financial reasons. They may share children together. Uh, and people are coerced into sharing passwords, into sharing uh, PIN codes, um, into giving someone's fingerprint authentication to a phone. Um, and I completely understand that. Um, if it is safe to do so, um, yeah, use a strong pin or biometric authentication on the device. Um, people often talk about not leaving a phone unattended. I don't think that's particularly feasible because, you know, as I said, you need 10 minutes and someone needs to have a shower sometimes or they just sleep. Uh, and if the abuser is still in the house, um, they can have access to that phone. Um, a very important thing to do, uh, as I mentioned before, especially on iOS, is keeping the operating system up to date. Um, it will remove any stalkware that may be present, but it's also considered generally good security practice uh, in, in any context. So you, you don't need an excuse to do that. Um, likewise, two-factor authentication or two-step uh, authentication, as some people refer to it, um, is considered generally good advice and is a way to lock someone out of your account, even if they may somehow obtain your password. Um, if you are concerned about someone having access to uh, an online account, uh, check security settings to see which devices uh, have recently connected to it and which apps have access to it. And if you don't recognize them, you can usually uh, remove them, lock, lock them out. Uh, services like Google and Facebook and Instagram all have pretty extensive security checkups uh, that can help you with that.
Well, thank you. And, uh, you know, we keep raising this, and I think this is very true, that stalkerware is a technology that is being used as part of an abusive relationship. It's, it's not really that, you know, the technology is problematic, but the relationship is the center of this. So as such, the most important step is, of course, um, seeking help or, you know, finding ways to be safer. What can people do if they're concerned about maybe they have stalkerware on the phone? Can they report it? To someone, if they're a victim, a survivor, maybe there's someone close to a person in a risky situation, like a sister or a parent, um, can they report it to anyone? The first thing I would always recommend uh, to people who uh, are in an abusive relationship or think they may be is to call uh, uh, some kind of helpline for uh, abuse survivors, uh, of which there are many around the world in the United States, where I guess a lot of your listeners will be, uh, there's the National Domestic Violence Hotline, uh, which you can reach by calling 1-800-799-7233. That's 1-800-799-7233. And there are similar helplines in, in many parts of the world, uh, often very uh, well set up to also help people with various kinds of disabilities, whether it's speech uh, or uh, speaking a different language than spoken in the country. Um, I should also say the helpline can also be called if you are trying to help someone, say a friend or a relative, uh, maybe you're a technology expert and someone comes to you with a stalkware problem and you realize, as is most often the case, that it's actually a far bigger abuse problem behind it and you don't know what to do, uh, call the helplines. Also, and it's, it may sound a bit uncomfortable, um, some people listening may realize that they may be abusing their partner um, and they may want to stop that. And that's uh, a very important step to take. Um, there are also helplines for that. And um, it, it's, it's not great if, if that's you, but uh, if that's you, please seek help um, for yourself, but also for your partner, and future partners. Um, and these, these helplines, uh, if you're a, a survivor, because that, that's what we're mostly talking about, they can, uh, uh, they're well suited to advise you what steps to take next. Uh, they may refer to you to a local abuse shelter. Um, they may advise you to go to the police, um, which some people want to do. Not everyone wants to do that because people's relationship with law enforcement is complicated. I should also think it's worth keeping in mind, uh, especially if some people think they go directly to the police. Um, many law enforcement officers, well-meaning though they may be, are not set up to uh, help with domestic abuse issues and in particular with tech abuse. Uh, and let's keep that in mind. Um, they may not understand it. These are great pieces of advice from different points of view. I, I totally appreciate it. And I think that it's important to definitely recognize that, you know, somebody could be reporting as a survivor, somebody close to them, or even a person who recognizes um, a problematic behavior that they've been uh, engaging in. Martin, thank you so much for helping us explain stalkerware. We hope that our audience has learned more about you know, they're rising risk to their personal safety and now they have some advice to act on if they're maybe in, in danger or in a risky situation. 
Thank you again, our listeners, for being with us on this podcast. I hope that this episode was helpful to you and maybe you can refer it to others. Please follow the podcast and get involved. You can reach out to us on different media link on Twitter at cyber underscore everyday. We're on LinkedIn as well if you wish to send us some questions in advance. And you can also suggest topics for upcoming episode via email at youreverydaycyber at securitycurb.com. Our podcast page has more details for you and resources from each episode, including what we talked about today. So thank you everyone for tuning in and stay safe out there. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Your Everyday Cyber Podcast with Limor and Diana. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Thank you.